0: Thanks, Chris. Rachel Neal is a senior researcher for the Berghofer Medical Research Institute, part of the Queensland Institute of Medical Research in Brisbane, Australia, who has just published a study on the link between vitamin D and cardiovascular events. Dr. Neal, before we get into the findings of your study, let's talk a bit about vitamin D for those who may not have paid much attention to it. How many people are deficient in vitamin D and why?
1: The prevalence of vitamin D deficiency varies enormously around the world. So it depends very much where you live and things like your skin type and how much time you spend outdoors. In Australia, where I am, the best evidence we have suggests that about a quarter of the population is vitamin D deficient, but it varies across the country.
0: So your research examined the link between vitamin D and cardiovascular events. Essentially, that means heart attacks and strokes, correct? That's right, yeah. So what were the main findings of your study?
1: We found that the people who were asked to take a vitamin D tablet for five years had an overall lower rate of experiencing a major cardiovascular event, so as you say, a stroke or heart attack or the need for an intervention to prevent a heart attack, but the evidence was most strong for heart attack and not for stroke. I would emphasise that the um, results were not overall statistically significant, so it's possible that this is just a a chance thing that happened but we did find that in people who were already taking medication when they started the study to stop themselves having heart problems so people who were already taking uh, medication to lower their cholesterol or reduce their blood pressure we found that vitamin d was more likely to reduce heart attacks in people who were already at risk of having a heart attack
0: and the findings in your study generally agree with other research that has been done in this area right
1: The other large trials that have been done actually haven't found an effect of vitamin D supplementation on major cardiovascular events. Some of the studies have been quite small or used lower doses of vitamin D, so that might partly explain it. As I say, it might be that our findings are chance, or it might be just something to do with the design of the study. So we had complete follow-up Of cardiovascular events we didn't rely on people telling us about events themselves because we were able to link to administrative health data to find out all the people who'd had a heart attack or a stroke so that's possibly the reason as well so yeah hard to know why we found an effect and others haven't
0: I'm not sure if your study addressed this but is there a difference between the effects of vitamin D supplements and vitamin D from sunlight on cardiovascular events It's a
1: really good question. No, our study didn't address it. And it's a very, very hard question to answer because it's very hard to get a given dose of vitamin D by exposing ourselves to the sun. Like it's just a hard thing to do. So look, I couldn't tell you, but the sun does have benefits separately from vitamin D. So we know the sun makes vitamin D and that's great, but the sun seems to do a bunch of other things separately from vitamin D. So while it might seem like an attractive solution to the skin cancer problem to just avoid the sun completely and take a vitamin D supplement, that's not necessarily the best solution for everybody other than those who are at very high risk of skin cancer. That may not be the best solution because the sun does these other things which we think might also help reduce the risk of heart attack.
0: But then on the other hand, people who live in climates where they can't go outdoors, for example, in winter or very hot summers, maybe they get less sun exposure and need those vitamin D supplements at least during part of the year, right?
1: Absolutely. So the advice we would give is that So so we were sort of exploring is more better. So we supplemented a population that wasn't vitamin D deficient. So it's quite a different question to If we take people who are deficient and we treat that vitamin D deficiency. So that's an important thing to note. And we found some evidence that more is better. But separately from that, if people are not able to get a dose of sunlight that's enough to avoid vitamin D deficiency, then they should absolutely be taking a supplement. And that's the case in many countries. There might be enough sunlight around, but it's just too cold to expose enough skin to make adequate vitamin D.
0: How much vitamin D is recommended for most people?
1: That's highly controversial. Some people say that we need 20 nanograms per mil in our bloodstream. Others say we need 30 nanograms per mil in our bloodstream and others say even more than that. So as to how much we really need, hard to know. We pushed people in our study up to a about 40 nanograms per mil a bit higher than that 40 45 nanograms per mil on average so we got people really quite high and that's where we saw some evidence of benefit in terms of the dose that people should take if they're not getting out in the sun very much i believe that the recommendations in the u.s are for about 800 international units a day which is actually relatively low dose it won't do harm it'll avoid people being frankly vitamin D deficient.
0: Is there a level of vitamin C that's too much that can be potentially toxic?
1: There is a level that can be potentially toxic, but it's pretty high that's actually going to cause acute severe toxicity. What we're not 100% sure of is the longer term chronic effects of having a really high vitamin D level. So, Generally, I advise that people don't take more than about 1,000 or 2,000 international units per day because that's going to keep them in a range that's not going to be pushing them up into a really high toxic range. There are some people, naturopaths and people, that advise people to take a lot more than that and I wouldn't be advising it. There's no evidence that it's beneficial and it could potentially do harm.
0: So do you have any final key take-home messages from your study for the average healthcare consumer?
1: Yeah, look, I think that my key message would be that there is some emerging evidence that vitamin D might be beneficial for things. Like, we've known it's good for bones and muscles for quite some time now. There is now evidence emerging to suggest that it may have benefits beyond that, but it's definitely not proven And vitamin D supplements do come at a cost. So in terms of cardiovascular benefits, I would say, well, if you can afford to take a supplement and you want to take it on the off chance it will reduce the risk of having a heart attack, then go for it. But it's not a magic bullet and you're better off actually being fit and healthy with vitamin D as a sort of bonus if it does you any good. But it's not going to be a substitute for a poor lifestyle.
0: Rachel Neal, Senior Researcher from the Berghofer Medical Research Institute in Brisbane, Australia, thank you very much for joining us today. You're very welcome. And for InfoTrack, I'm Roy Mackey.